Hi, this is Ronnie Ann Ryan, intuitive coach, and welcome to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. In this show, we'll talk about mystical methods, spiritual practices, and magic to grow spiritually, live well, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, connect with spirit, and embrace the magic that is all around you. To learn more about intuitive coaching with me or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoy the show, please rate it or write a review and subscribe and share it with a friend. May good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. And now, on with the show! In this episode of the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast, I'll be speaking with Kathleen Horvath. She is a business feng shui master, astrologer, creator of the innovative Time Blazer business favorable timing system. She speaks internationally and produces an annual event to help business owners create a clear path to more prosperity. Her website is the number five elementsgroup.com. And another piece of exciting news, the publication of her third book, Water Rabbit, will be coming out in January 2023. So it's Water Rabbit, hop to it. That's an adorable title. I love that. Welcome, Kathleen. Oh, thanks, Ronnie. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate your time with me. I'm glad that you're here to be with my community. And I have to tell you that you have a long bio and a short bio. So I read the short one. But on the long bio... Something that really jumped out at me was this whole idea that you were stranded on a desert island. I know you've done a lot of sailing. Tell us what that was like to be stranded. I said you was two and a half days or something, but yikes. I'd love to hear about that. It sounds worse than the reality of it. Yeah, I started sailing uh, around the world. I picked up a boat in the Caribbean. I was living on the East Coast at the time, and I was young and brazen, and I decided that I was going to go see the world, and how I could see the world was be a cook on a boat. So that's how I paid for my passage, if you will, and went through the Panama Canal, across the Pacific Ocean, and then... We got as far as Australia, and then at a certain point, I decided that I was going to take a little bit of break from sailing in the respect they were going to cross the Indian Ocean as quickly as possible. And I was not interested in speed racing across the Indian Ocean. So I went back and I was living in Italy at the time as well. So I decided to go back there um, to improve my Italian. And then I picked the boat back up in the Seychelles. It's a string of islands or archipelago in the Indian Ocean and the east side of Africa. And I I re-picked up the boat there. We decided that we were just about ready to start heading down to the Cape of Good Horn. And we decided that we were going to kind of wrap this up during the night. This is a whole story, but you're getting you're getting the abbreviated one sure. where we hit a reef at 14 knots. Totally human error, but we were very lucky. There were four of us. I was the fifth one because I was the only woman on board at the time. Basically, we hit this reef and, you know, it's dark at the, the time of year that we were there. So we didn't really know what the circumstances were, but we had found very quickly that we were able to get to a small island. And the island is actually called Alphonse Island in the Seychelles, if anybody wants to do a little Google search on it. It was a very primitive island back then. 
And recently I actually did a Google search to see if it had gotten developed in any shape or form, but the side that we were on, it was completely abandoned. So I was the person that was doing the May Day and they told us actually to stay on the boat because we were in shark infested waters. But I tell you what, every time a wave would crash into that boat, that hull would just continue to rip up and we were taken on water, even though we were on a reef, you know, it was because sure. the tide was low. So we decided that we were going to abandon ship and get to that little island took whatever we could out of the freezer that we had on board and some bedding and built a bonfire and people that we were mating, they contacted people on the other side of the island. And basically they rescued us to get on the other side of the island where we were very well taken care of for these couple of days. And some total, it was two and a half days that it took them to come rescue us from a main island and take us back to the main island. So it was a very humbling experience, if you will, because it was a choice that we all needed to make. It was like, what can you carry? And you needed yeah. to do it pretty darn quickly. But you I, you also found out what was important. It wasn't all the trinkets that we had picked up along the way of sailing, because you know this was over a year in the making that... I was on board and people on previous to me had a lot of collectibles, if you will. And none of that was important. You needed food, you needed clothing, because we didn't know the circumstance. We didn't know that yeah. there were people on the other side of the island. So it was a it was a good life lesson, let's put it that way. And yeah. you know, I, I, I'm so grateful and blessed that I can tell this story instead of somebody telling a story about me because I didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Now, does, has it left anything like as a result of that? Did that change your viewpoint or anything in your life that still sticks with you today? Absolutely. And, and it's not just the shipwreck. It was the whole sailing experience. I really actually had no idea that I was doing sort of a social studies slash anthropology lesson while I was every island that I went to along the way. And again, I picked the boat up in the Caribbean and went all the way to Australia on that boat. And we basically, the way that people would dress and, you know, because of climate, the way that people would eat, the way that people would build because of the building materials. I didn't know that I was studying feng shui way before I got in. That's so interesting. So you kind of had some prep work by traveling the globe and seeing how all kinds of different people lived in different circumstances. Exactly. That, that's very interesting. It was very hands-on and I had no idea what my hands were getting into, but <laughs> and then how I discovered feng shui actually was also through the sailing experience. When you're on big open bodies of water, you got to find something to do to pass the time. You can only stare at the stars and stare at the sky and, you know, just open bodies of water. I mean, every once in a while you might see a dolphin or we would catch a fish every day. That was, you know, wonderful (laughs) for, for food. So I started reading a lot because this was before email and the, the phones and all of that. I mean, we just, we didn't have any of that. So I started reading a James Claval series, which was the Shogun and the uh, I love Global that. House and all that. Yeah. So that was really the first time I had even heard the term feng shui. And I tell you what, it drew me in. And so that's how I even discovered peripherally what that term meant. 
Wow. I remember I read Shogun when I was in Italy the summer after my junior year in college. It was over 1,200 pages, so it took a while to read that. When the book was over, I just cried because it was over. I'm like, no, it's over. It's been with me for so long. So now let's talk about your work with feng shui. You're working with businesses to help them improve prosperity through feng shui. When you start working with someone, what's the first thing that you do? Well, really, the first thing that I do with any of my clients is I ask them what they want because it's very difficult to feng shui. Everybody thinks that it's just this cookie cutter blanketed, you know, you're feng shuiing for what? But if you don't know what you're feng shuiing for, it's very difficult to adjust your space to get there. The very next step after I know what they're looking for is I run their astrology chart through my software. And the reason I do that, I want to see what is happening in their life currently, what's kind of trending for them right now. Through the feng shui process, you know, again, your your chart will tell you so much about your reputation and your marketing efforts, like what kind of career you should be doing, what kind of partnerships will you be bringing in, how will you invest your money, what kind of work will you be doing? Is it more local or is it more broad spectrum where you you really have the capacity to bring in an international crowd? So first of all, that's, you know, you got to know what's in a person's chart because there's so many layers within their birth chart. And then you find energy points within a space that will help boost up a person's feng shui. So those are really the first two things that I do. What do you want? And number two, what's in their chart? Can they get what they want? Because that's your first entry point. Do you even have the capacity to go after what you say that you want? Gotcha, gotcha. So actually, we should probably just define briefly feng shui, which I think of feng shui as how the energy flows and moves through a space. That's still a very good definition, Ronnie. It's a very good definition because what we are trying to do, and if I may just explain just a little bit as well, when I get a call from a new client, I always look up, yes, they're, they're you know the first two pieces of items that you're saying, but I also throw their address into Google Earth or Google Maps would would be sufficient as well. And you look at it from the satellite view. There's so much information that Google can help as far as helping you um, feng shui space. It's a secret tool that everyone who wants to you know, improve the energy of their space, look at your exterior landform first. You have to see what type of energy is outside because that's where you bring in the energy and you capture and harness it and bring it in through your front door. That's why your front door is so, so important in feng shui is because what energy is hitting the front door And is it usable? Do we like it? And then how are we going to direct or redirect it once it gets inside of your space? So looking on Google Maps or here's another, like you don't even need electronics. Go outside your front door, look (laughs) to the front, look to the side, look to the other side. What is is the 
affecting that front door? Do you have a pole in front of your house or a tree or a lamppost or a street light, yeah. something like yeah. that? Are there any protruding corners that are hitting that door? All yeah. of that is negative. But conversely, if you have a very nice yard, it's nice, well kept, we've got some vibrancy in that, that yard, you're already improving your feng shui. But I would take it a step further. I would walk completely around your building. Even if you are in, and this goes for business as well, even if you are renting maybe just a suite in a larger complex, still walk around that building because the building as a whole is going to affect you as well. So you want to go and do that same kind of detective work. What is happening outside that could be downgrading your feng shui? Very good. Let's use my house for an example. So yeah. my garage juts out on the right. If you're facing the front door, my garage juts out to the side of the front door, creates mm -hmm. a wall mm -hmm. or like a little entry area, mm -hmm. uh, probably six feet, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then there's a pole because there's a slab of cement. So there's a pole holding up the, the roof there, the roof line there. My front door is recessed, but it is against the rest of the house. It's touching the rest of the house parallel. How are you using your garage? Is it used for a garage or does it have a bunch of stuff in it? Yeah, or both? It, both. It has half of it has my car and half yeah. of it has my husband's junk. Going back okay. to your poll question. Yes. When you stand at your front door, is, is it in direct line with the door? No, it off center. if it's off center from your door, I wouldn't be as concerned about it. Okay. I am giving you um, a few tips based of on, course. I haven't seen the, I of haven't course. seen the floor plan. I don't know the compass direction, facing setting and all of that kind of filters that I would need to, but based on what you're telling me, that pole would not be a bad situation, but it still is a stick. You might you might see it out of a window or something like that. So what you might want to do to buffer or soften it is put some sort of vine around it. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. And that will soften that a little bit. You can also put a collection of maybe some, some flower pots around yep. it. That's what um, I have there. Yeah. And, but have something growing up that it, it's not so tight to the, the, the pole that it ends up being another just padded pole, you know, we let it, let it grow out and be a little whimsy. So that will break up that line a little bit. Okay. All right. Very cool. So what, what do people have to keep in mind? One of the things that I focus very much on is the annual energies. And the reason I focus on the annual energies is because you can turn your life around by following the good directions on your floor plan and then avoiding the challenging ones because there's always four good and four bad. So you, you kind of want to look at where the best energies are going to be happening and situate yourself within that energetic field. So really like our body is like an antenna. So we want to, you, you want to put your body directionally in a good um, direction and in a, in a good location that will definitely help enhance your own vibration. Because really when you, what we're trying to do when we're improving our feng shui, it actually 
has a twofold effect, many fold actually. One is it, it feng shui is used to achieve your goals. That's exactly what it's used for, for power and money. And that's the origin of feng shui and how it's being used. And I do classical feng shui too. And there's a big distinction of the different schools yeah. of feng shui out there. So that's why I would pull somebody's birth chart. That's why I would bring a compass to any consult to be able to take um, a compass reading of the, of the, the space, whether it be personal or professional and then you know you figure out the different sectors so i'll even tell you like in 2023 during the water rabbit year we know that there are certain sectors that are really really vibrant i'll give you one of them one of them is located in the south so and it's a very important sector moving forward so what is located in your south sector so you want to look at that. Number yep. two, the other reason that you do feng shui, and this is really kind of a, I think, not spoken about enough, is that since it's there to achieve your goals, how will it do that? Well, really, if you get into the good vibrancy of the space, you are actually charging your body up. It's like putting yourself in the the you know the socket to charge your phone right it's the plug to charge your body so if you get into that frequency the more you're going to build up resiliency good energy inside of you which makes you what more vibrant to achieve your goals so the space is actually helping manipulate your body because you've manipulated the space in other words, you've adjusted the space. The sole reason is to get into that energetic field. So a lot of times people, you know, will do feng shui setups, but they don't really use the space like they're supposed to, which means you need to be in the space. So, and then the way to buffer the challenging energies is to avoid being in those spaces. So we know for example, the West is not good this year in 2023. So don't spend a lot of time in the West. And, you know, and then, you know, what if you can't because you, it's a bedroom or it's a kid, you know, right. but, and there's things that you need to do to adjust that. But the, the more you make an effort to be creative and go, you know what, I'm going to do what it takes to achieve my goals, then you're going to start making different decisions about life and you will start seeing literally things happening in your life like you've never seen before. So that's, to me, a really important thing to focus on those annual energies. Of course, we look at your long-term goals by doing long-term feng shui, but the annual event, um, let's face it, you know, these last couple of years have been horrific for many people. People are losing livelihoods. They've lost loved ones. It's been a tough couple yeah. of years. Yeah. I believe, you know, working with these energies, even though I'm even going to tell you, none of my clients are hitting perfection. That's not the point. Progress is the, is the key here. Yeah. And so everybody's going to be experiencing um, ascending and descending energies within their life. And so when things are going good, feng shui to have it even better or to sustain it longer. If things are going bad, it will help you pull you up during years that your chart, for example, astrologically would be on a downgrade. 
I love feng shui. I don't know the depth that you know. And plus I do that other black hat sect is what I learned. But one of the things I wrote extensively about was how to feng shui your bedroom for love. It was definitely one of my best articles. It was published someplace else and it went wild. You know, so many, it got like 35,000 views in three days or something crazy, you know, because everybody wanted to know that. And I was a dating coach for a while. So one of the things that I realized was I called it dinner date feng shui. I had gone out to dinner with my husband and I'm, uh, I'm probably more aggressive than he is. So I always choose what I call the command positions. What I understood about feng shui was wealth and what was it? Wealth and power. So to be in the power seat in the command position, you want to have a wall to your back and have good access to see the door because that's how you're safest. Nobody could attack you from the back and anybody coming in, you can see them. So anyway, that is the chair that I always just naturally go for when we go out to dinner or wherever it is. That's a chair I want. My husband will just sit anywhere. And so I said to him one time, I had a presence of mind and I'm like, where would you like to sit? You know, how nice of me. <laughs> and he chose the command position. So apparently I've been usurping his desire for the command position at the dinner table when we go out to eat. So I, I wrote this whole article about dinner date feng shui and how could you let the man sit in the feng shui command position He'll be more comfortable. And when he's more comfortable, he'll be more open to you and all this kind of stuff. Thoughts on my silly well, use of feng well, shui? Well, two, number one is 2023. If you are looking for love, it could be a good year to do that because Ooh. it is very, uh, can I say sexy on your, yes, on your podcast? Of course, of uh, course. But it is, it is sort of energetics. That's one of the things that it's going to be um, bubbling up for people. And, and, and it's not everyone, but it will be. And then also caution to your listeners, for those of you who are having an affair, you may want to snip that in the bud before February 4th, because people, it's one of those years that you can get found out. Ah. So, you know, be careful with that. But going back to the command position, you do that in your office as well. Oh, sure. And, you know, you never want to have your back to the door. You really don't really even want to sit behind a window because it's not protective enough. So what you were talking about, having that solid back behind you, this is something that is very classic feng shui that you want to have a mountain behind you. This is where it or it originates outside mind you so if you have true landform that has this and we're, what we're trying to create is what's called an armchair effect so you want to have something on the the back of you in this case when you're inside a wall and then you want to have some sort of embrace and the embrace would be you know it could be a chair that you're even sitting in that has you know those arms on either side but the very important thing is that you have either a straight line view to the door or to the side. Most people have com computer screens, depending on what size, like I have a huge desktop sitting in front of me right now. So, and I'm a very petite woman, so I can't literally see over the top of my, my desktop. I know, isn't that crazy? No, so me it's too. actually, you know, but I, but I will switch my desk every year just to get into those good vibrancies. So I'm sitting in the East in 2022, but I will be moving my desk to a new location 
2023 because what is available on your floor plan? I'm choosing the best of what is available in my floor plan. So there are better directions, but it just, it just doesn't work architecturally for where I would love to go for 2023. What, what you can do is take that room. It's just like you were, you were renting a office suite in a larger building. And this is for you home office people. What I would say is, you know, get those compass dials and I can give you free compass dials if you'd like them. But basically you do use that room. You take the compass direction and then you just put the the compass dials over the one room. And that's what's called putting the mini Tai Chi over your floor plan. So basically then you can micromanage I think we talked about this earlier about feng shuiing your desk. I wouldn't go that far because a desk should be fluid. I would rather it be set up ergonomically for you to be, you know, your, your biggest task would be within arm's length. And, you know, if you have to, you know, turn around for a files or something like that in a cabinet and then the rare uses, you get up and pick them up. So I would rather you do the feng shui for the entire space now, but what I would take that the next step further is I would put my computer screen again, mine's a larger one. So again, that's an antenna. So I would angle that screen. So I would force my body to look at that screen so that that's how I can get into those vibrant, vibrant directions. So, so basically what I would do is I would look for one of your personal power directions. And again, those are on my astrology charts that you can find that. And, you know, basically that's how you will be able to dial in to the best energy of the year Hmm. by getting in those vibrant, even if you had to bring it down to one room. So my office is in the front of the house and I can see the sun come up and I can see the moon come up. Oh, it's it's really nice. So it's vicious. Yeah. It's auspicious. So it kind of. So you have an east bedroom. I Excuse me, you have an east office. Well, it's on a diagonal, but I can see right out my window. So, yeah. well, somewhere in the east ish. <laughs> yes, North it east is. Or southeast or just due east is where you're getting, you know, the sunrise and moonrises every, every day. So that's yep. very cool. Yeah, it's great. It's great to be able to see the leaves on the trees and everything. And I can see who drives in the driveway. So. I'm I'm kind of in the command area. So nice. anything else that you think it's important for people to know about next year, about the feng shui, about the astrology regarding business, anything else to watch out for or, or plan for? or Sure. One of the things that is going to be very interesting about this year is that we have a really seismic shift that's happening. Everything in feng shui and Chinese metaphysics is a repeatable pattern. And this repeatable pattern is time cycles and flows of energy and things like that. So in 2024, we are going into a new period of 20 years, but it's also the end of a 180 year cycle. The exciting part of this is since we're at the end of this cycle, but the beginning of the end of the cycle, I don't know how else to say that, we are leaving what's called period eight, which is an earth energy. And we are now going to be entering into a fire energy, 
which is for 20 years and it's all it is called period nine it's the fire cycle if you will what does that mean as far as why is that so important 2023 is so important because people have the opportunity to do major setups by being in in the ready for this fire cycle so not only can you be adjusting for 2023 you also have an opportunity to start setting your space up yourself up to do this during 2023. So that's, that's number one. So, but what is period nine good for period nine is good for women in business, Ah. um, women empowerment technologies, Certainly anything to do with healthcare, even though that's more of an earth, obviously we need a lot of, you know, going out of this cycle, people need a lot of help, uh, help on all levels of health, mental, physical, emotional. It's very good for metaphysics in, in general, no matter okay. what, NLP, it could be Reiki, it could be uh, anything to do with energy work where you're moving energy. Business intuition? business intuition when you are using your energy you're using your energy to and let's be clear when you're using the universe's energy to channel through you then you can actually make a lot of money doing that there's space travel obviously solar power getting away from oil and gas for example so this is really a very interesting time to be alive and for those of your listeners who are thinking like, what should I be doing? What, like those businesses or industries that I just mentioned, either be in those industries or you target people that are in those industries. It's going to be a very, very exciting time. So that's number one. And and by the way, I don't think I'll be living at least in this form in 180 years. So no. it is really kind of a, it's really an amazing time to be alive as much as people will look at the news and go, oh my gosh, the world's falling apart. Well, maybe stop watching the news and start exploring how you yourself can become better and how you yourself can thrive in this next year and beyond and how you can help others. That would be a perfect period nine goal to have. And so the period nine, does that start in 2024? It starts officially in 2024, but it is actually going to really arrive in 2023. Oh, okay. And we're able to tap into it now already for a couple of years, but it's going to officially get here in the spring of this year. And and it's like one of those cuspy kind of things. We're going to be still in the earth and still, you know, and the fire is going to start pulling its weight as, as the energy of earth descends. So this is the rising Phoenix. I'm sure Ah. that term, but if you've ever seen the graphic of, you know, the Phoenix rises from the ashes, what is the ashes? It's earth. So they're rising from the ashes and ascending. So period nine is very much about spirituality not religion, although there are some negatives that will happen in period nine as well. I'm not saying anything bad about religion. I'm talking more about the cultish religions that, you know, I'm going to say just take everybody's life savings, puts them on an island and 
drinks a cocktail. That's a cult. That's very <laughs> different from, you know, following a, a belief system that you, yeah. you were either born into or, or have been aligned with, uh, if you will. But spirituality, even in business, you know, I'm sure that there's companies out there that could care less about their consumers. They just want to make money. Those people will not have as much success. Those corporations, companies will not have that much success. It's the corporations that do care about their employees do care about their products. You know, it's that whole triple win thing. What's good for you, what's good for the world and what's good for me. That's really going to come into play as well. Excellent. Well, that's something to look forward to. What a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, you have a program coming up. I have a live event that's coming up soon. And this is where I uh, talk about my annual predictions. So what I talk about is person, space, time, and universe. So the person is going to be astrology and we'll go through all the 12 animals and the way that I do it, you're going to end up wanting to listen to all of the animals because your birth chart alone is year, month, day, and hour of birth. And so you want to know what those signify for you. And the annual energies can help tell you which animals are going to be good and which animals are going to be a little bit more challenging. And so you already have a strategy going into the year by um, looking at that. And then um, we definitely look at the annual feng shui, the positive directions in the annual chart, and then what are some of the challenging ones as well. Obviously, I'll bring in my Time Blazer technology, which is my proprietary business calendar, which will help you launch anything, whether it be a program, a, pro a product, a website, you're publishing a book, those kinds of things, important meetings, but they're also good for adjusting your space. So I'll be giving out some very significant uh, days to help you adjust your space, as well as the more spiritual side, which is the universal gateway. So we probably won't get into that because it's just a one day event. I have my more, uh, I'm going to say my my true followers that, that and it's more depth. So it's, you know, the the one that that I have in or early winter, that one is really for a, for someone who, who kind of really already knows a little bit about how I teach. But in January, it really is like hitting most of the, the astrology. And, per, and quite frankly, um, I would say most of my clients are going to say that's the favorite part of it because they get to hear what's happening with them, right? Sure. So that's in January. That's in okay, January. Okay, great. Well, we'll put that in the show notes and a link there. Perfect. But, yeah, so that people can, you know, join in if they want. I just recently participated in your water rabbit event and it was so filled with information about all kinds of stuff and I learned so much because it was completely different stuff than what I knew. So that's what was fun about it. And so I recommend that people check that out. But thank you so much, Kathleen, for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. And it was wonderful. My pleasure. It was great spending some time with you, Ronnie. Have a great water rabbit year. Thank you. Do you have a big decision that you're struggling with? Or do you have trouble making decisions? Or maybe you just want confirmation that you're headed in the right direction and made the right choice. Well, I've created a special gift for you called How to Ask the Universe for a Sign. In this free half-hour audio program, you're going to learn exactly how to ask the question, how to set everything up so that you can get an answer within 24 hours 
and finally know one way or another what you should be doing about a particular situation. This has worked so well for me. I'm happy to share it with you. To listen, just go to it's never too late.biz slash sign. So that's N-E-V-E-R-T-O-O-L-A-T-E dot B-I-Z slash S like in Sam, I-G-N. And it's my pleasure to share that with you. It's a simple tool to use that offers amazing and wonderful results. Thank you for listening today. If you're curious about intuitive coaching or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate it or write a review and subscribe to never miss an episode and share the magic with a friend. This is Ronnie and Ryan wishing you love and magic. Love and magic.